0: In 2013, Kat Bonner lost her mom in a tragic car accident. She figured out how to manage her grief and is helping other women do the same. On this podcast, you'll hear from other women who have lost their moms and discover the exact coping strategies you need to get through the day
1: and be in the best place you've ever been. Don't miss another episode. Subscribe today. More information can be found at catbonner.com forward slash podcast. And if you'd like to join a group of like minded women, head to
0: Facebook and search for the Life After Losing Mom community. Lastly, if you're looking for help managing your grief, book a complimentary connection call at catbonner.com. So before we get started with the episode, I just want to share something with you. I'm sure you've heard multiple times. That grief is an individual process. Well, the people you heard this from aren't wrong because it very much so is. You're probably wondering how can someone help me when they grieve differently than I do? That's why I'm so passionate about one on one coaching that is totally customized to you and your pain points. I let you guide me to ways I can help you. I can only take on three clients at a time, so the spots are limited. I'd love for you to tell me how I can help you in your grief journey.
1: I lost my mom at the age of 14 in 2006. I'm now 27 and it came out of nowhere. She was having some bladder issues. So she went to the doctor and I believe I was in, eighth grade in middle school. And uh, I just remember hearing the news. Um, I want to say that I was with her. I had to have been with her. Um, So let me just preface this with my mom was deaf. So sign language is actually my first language. So I did accompany her to a lot of her doctor's appointments when they didn't have an interpreter right then and there. Uh, Now that I think about it, that may be illegal, but, um, you know, you have to do what you have to do in the meantime. But anyway, so I remember the doctor telling us, your mom has bladder cancer and uh, it's not in an early stage. So we were just kind of all shocked and I just didn't think that would happen. And she was very young. She was 34, I want to say, when she was diagnosed and 35 when she passed, so it happened really quickly. Uh, she passed September two thousand six, and I was just starting my freshman year of high school. So that was a really difficult time, especially as a teenage girl to lose her mother from you know transitioning from middle school to high school and not knowing, not having any experience or not knowing what to do. You know, growing up in such a crucial point in my life, and. Uh, I guess I've just had a really hard time coping with that since since then, and it's been like twelve, thirteen years.
0: Oh well, thank you for sharing. It's weird. The first thing that comes to my mind, I'm like, "How the heck is it illegal by you like interpreting for your mom?" Um, I don't know why. <laughs> that is the first thing that comes to my mind, but I'm just like, "What in the world?" Yeah. That is so yep. funny.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, you know, I know there's a lot of legal things and you know when I was 13 14 years old I didn't think about it at the time I just wanted to help her and get the right message across you know
0: yeah I mean if it's illegal no one is going to do anything because they have way more important things to worry about (laughs) um but yeah it's interesting to me that I mean I guess she passed from like bladder cancer and like this is not insensitive by any means but I feel like those kinds of cancers people don't seem to take it seriously. They're like, Oh, like it's just your bladder. Like right. you just like urinate from your bladder. Like not to be like, I don't know what the nasty, but right. I'm like, well, it just goes to show that it literally doesn't matter. You know? Exactly. So um, cancer, it, cancer.
1: Yeah. It, it started in the bladder and then she had I don't know the proper terminology for it, but where they removed her bladder and then she had to uh, have like a urostomy bag where she would have to urinate into that bag. And then it actually started to spread to like her ovaries and she had a hysterectomy and she was kind of like really depressed about that because she did want more children. And uh, like I said, it happens so quick, like less than a year towards the end they were like yeah it's spread to her lungs and we can't operate anymore so at that okay. point yeah at that point she was just like well if there's nothing you guys can do I'm I think I'm done with treatment and I just want to enjoy the rest of my life that I the rest of the time that I have with my family
0: yeah I mean rightfully so And um, it's so interesting to me like 14 is very very young but you're still young, and you've lived almost more of your life without your mom than you have with your mom, and that is crazy.
1: Yeah, I never actually thought of it like that, but you're right.
0: It's like, okay, when you're, what, 29, technically, you would be like more years without her than with her, and like it just really goes to show how... I guess our society frowns upon talking about death because people in their thirties have both of their grandparents, which I mean, is fine, whatever, but that's why like death needs to be, you know, talked about. And I wonder too, you know, and it's always different for everybody, but I mean, even losing your mom or losing a parent when you're like one or so, I mean, yeah, you lost your mom, but sometimes I wonder, and like, especially if your other parent gets remarried, then it's like that other person is more like your mom. I don't know at this point. Yeah, I'm like kind of rambling, but I'm curious how did you manage like that transition in high school? Because that it's like a very, it seems like a very pivotal time, you know, to n- need your mom.
1: Uh, well, to be honest, a lot of it is a blur, and I know it's cliche. I didn't when when I, when I was younger and people would say, yeah, I don't remember a lot of this stuff. I try to forget about it. I didn't understand that. I'm like, how is that possible? The brain is such a crazy organ in your body that now that I've gone through all this and looking back and I'm like, I really don't remember a lot. You know, Some of my friends would be like, hey, remember when we did this? And I'm like, no, not really. And I feel bad. <laughs> I feel bad, but it's like, I'm not trying to do that on purpose. But um, I guess it, it was hard for me personally, because I had no relation with my father and my stepfather was not the greatest caretaker. Um, he just kind of did his own thing. So when she passed, I had a little brother who was eight, I want to say, And I basically had to grow up like instantly and take care of him, feed him, make sure he got up for school and all that kind of stuff. And I guess that just made me mature so much quicker than my peers. So I I guess I really didn't have time to grieve at that point. And I don't know if that's taken an effect on me now. (laughs) You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I you definitely think about that. And a lot of people say like, Oh, like, you know, keep busy. It'll help your grief. Like one of those grief myths or whatever. But sometimes you literally like, I think about your situation and it's like, you really didn't have time to grieve. Like it wasn't on your mind, you know? And it's almost like, it's not that you weren't allowed, but you literally like were not capable Mm -hmm. of it, which is (laughs) crazy to me. So, Was it mainly through like high school, I guess, where you kind of didn't really grieve? And then you like, when did you start grieving? Do you think?
1: I want to say, so my freshman and sophomore year years, those were both like the blur years where I don't really remember a lot. Um, And I actually, my junior year of high school, I did move in with my dad to try to form some type of relationship. And I think that's when I started noticing that I was uh, beginning the process of grieving because that's when um, my depression hit like a really low point And there was me and my father did not have a good relationship ever. <laughs> I mean, uh, just because I didn't really know him that well and, to be thrown into this sort of situation, it's I don't know if maybe he felt awkward or whatever, but I didn't have a mother figure, so and I also didn't have a father figure either. So I feel like he thought maybe that was the best choice at the time was for me to live with him and his wife, so that I could have both a maternal and paternal figure. Uh, but that didn't go the way anybody had planned. It, it was just like butting heads with each other so I think that year my junior of high school is when I started to grieve because there was even a point in time where I was starting to self-mutilate I was cutting my wrists and stuff and it bothers me when people make fun of that kind of behavior but I've experienced it so I know what that's like and I it wasn't a cry for help. Well, I guess it was a cry for help, but it wasn't like I was um, trying to get attention from anybody. It was just a way for me to, you know, I guess, try to get these feelings out that I had no healthy way to do so.
0: Yeah, it's, grief is interesting. I don't ever know of a word to describe it. And the first thing that comes to my mind is sometimes I wonder if family makes grief worse. Not everybody probably can relate to that. But it's like, it's especially if you're around them all the time, there's so many ways that people grieve and so many thoughts and opinions just like thrown at you. And you're like, oh, my God, this is so overwhelming. On top of you trying to grieve and, you know, do everything else. Um, So did you like mainly, I guess, struggle with, like was it harder for you to not be close to your dad or was it harder to you harder for you to like kind of see your mom's life in in front of you? Um I think it was harder for me
1: to get along with my father because um even to this day I'm still kind of upset because and I've said this before I, I, people that don't know what it's like won't understand this, but I feel that it's worse having a parent that is alive that doesn't want anything to do with you rather than a parent that has passed because you know they loved you. So I think that was harder for me. And um, he, anytime I would show any signs or symptoms of mental illness, he was the kind of person that would kind of like brush it under the rug or say, Oh, you're just doing this for attention even though I was like covering myself up with like hoodies and sweaters and I didn't want people to know that I was going through all this kind of stuff I kind of wanted to show people that I was strong and tough and and, I mean I still kind of am to this day I don't I'm very stubborn and hard-headed I want to be the best person that I can be every day you know
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's, and I 100% agree with that. Like, it's almost harder to have a parent that you're not close with, regardless of the dynamic of the relationship, than because grief is the price that we pay for love. And obviously, sometimes people don't want to hear it, but it's really true. Like, if you didn't love this person this much, you would not be grieving them this much. Exactly. And there's no way to like (laughs) deny that.
1: Mm hmm. I would completely agree.
0: Okay, good. I'm glad. I'm just like, <laughs> okay, this is weird. So uh, do you think, like, since, I guess, you know, your mom got sick really fast, did you almost think it was unexpected or was it expected? I'm curious to know what you think about that.
1: Um, I want to say at the time, it was definitely unexpected. Um, but looking back, and the more knowledge that I have today, because I'm in the medical field, uh, I know there were a lot of problems that probably exacerbated it. Like, she was a smoker. She, <clears throat> excuse me, she, she used to drink, but she wasn't an alcoholic or anything. And I do know that when she was born, that she had some urinary issues. So I don't know if it was a combination of all those things that, uh, you know, maybe other people in the family who are older we're kind of expecting that um i do remember there i want to say it was my grandmother or my aunt my mom's sister they were saying something along the lines of um her when she was born she had a lot of difficulties and the doctors said that her life expectancy was to be like 25 years old so i think to them they expected it but for me i had no idea i thought you know she'd be alive to see me grow up get married have children whatever graduate all the uh the important milestones that people go through
0: yeah absolutely do do you think that maybe a lot of like i wouldn't say like anger or resentment but a lot of the negative feelings from your grief came from her being sick or just her passing away in general um i want to
1: say probably her passing away. I mean, I know, I understand it's not our fault. Um, You know, these things just happen. I know there's scientific and medical reasons. um, But, you know, you see people that smoke two packs a day, and then they live to be like 89 years old, 90 years old, and then people that have never smoked a day in their life. And, you know, death is a crazy thing. They're, they could be so healthy, and then they'll, they'll just die. So, um, I think I was more upset about <clears throat> not the cancer, even though cancer sucks, <laughs> but definitely about her passing, because it was just it happened so fast. There was no time to, like, process everything and make amends, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot, too, and they're like, oh, like, your mom's death was unexpected. Like, how do you, like, manage that? And I'm like, regardless whether, like... <laughs> Your mom died expected or unexpected. Like, even if you know in the back of your mind that she's going to die, you cannot prepare yourself for what's coming. Because, first of all, you don't know what's coming. Like, how nobody does. So, I hate that comparison. I mean, yeah, it's nice to look at, like, not nice. That's a terrible word. I know what you mean. (laughs) It's interesting to look at, like, the differences and how people handle it each time but i'm like no it doesn't like death is death and it sucks regardless of how you look at it which is insane to me right um so you were older than your brother um did you have like i guess during you know high school like after that you know did you meet other people like did you have a support system like how did you like start to grieve did you do it by yourself I hate to say
1: this, but I did everything myself. Um, I, you know, I had family that went through the same thing, but everything just kind of after high school dissipated. Like my brother lives in Ohio and I had lived, you know, I moved from Washington to New Jersey and to Pennsylvania and, um, I was just moving around a lot and, you know, my other family members were not with me. So I really did do everything by myself in terms of grieving and growing up.
0: Okay. First of all, don't be ashamed of that because that's, well, I'm like, you're a fucking badass. Like if you can do this, like. <laughs> oh, if, for sure. I mean, in the moment it sucks and you're like, why me? Right. But. At the end of the day, you're like, okay. And that's why I always say, like, to people, I'm like, if I could give anyone any advice, like, if you're grieving the loss of your mom, like, focus on yourself. I know, like, it might not be in your nature. You might be, like, more of a caretaker for other people or whatever. But I'm like, at the end of the day, you have yourself to come home to. Like, you are the only constant thing in your life regardless. I mean, I'm not going to throw religion into it, but, like, the only constant, like living being, right? For, exactly. Forever. So, you are your greatest asset and ally. So that's why I definitely always say that. Um, I'm curious, how did you like? Obviously, when you know people die, I'm sure you know you were very like sour about it and had like super duper like negative feelings. Like, I guess when do you really think your healing process began and you just started to become at peace with this loss?
1: I want to say that it started um, not until 2015. So as I was saying earlier, I had moved. um, At this point, I was living in Philadelphia and I was in a relationship and it was it was. I know this is random, but it was going good, <laughs> and then out of nowhere, he just kind of like kicked me out with no explanation. So I had to like scramble to find a place to live, um, and I don't know why, but that kind of started a serious like mental breakdown. In my life, because I was starting to, like, hallucinate and, like, hear things, like, hear voices, and I was like, okay, this is not normal, this is not right, I think it's time for me to finally talk to somebody. So, I finally went to a doctor, and I made the huge mistake of saying the S word. I was feeling suicidal.
0: (laughs) Oh, I was like, what'd you say, oh shit? Like, (laughs) No, no, no. no.
1: (laughs) No, because all it takes is for you to say suicide and they want to throw you in the yeah. mental hospital. So
0: I'm like, yeah, like a straight jacket's gonna make me better. <laughs> yeah, a straight jacket's exactly. probably gonna make the S word even worse. Exactly. That's why our mental health in America is yeah, like, a lot yeah, of help. That's the conversation hard. of a whole other day, but exactly. God, yes, don't even get me started. It's terrible. So that was kind of my
1: wake up call. Um, Cause I feel like before then I was depending on other people to make me happy. Uh, and that's when I realized I am the only one that can make me happy, like you were saying earlier. So I decided to pack everything I owned in my little Honda Civic <laughs> and my, my my uh, I don't know how old he was, my little dog. I put him in my car and I said, you know what, I'm just going to go move back down to Florida because that's where I was born and raised. And that's where I had a lot of family that I knew loved and would support me. So uh, that was it. Just one day, I just packed everything, drove 12 hours south, and I found a, well, I, you know, I crashed with some family members on their couch until I could get my stuff together. And and I think that was a huge turning point for me because ever since that day in 2015, I my my mentality and just my overall mood has done a complete 180. And I think it was the best decision I've ever made in my life.
0: Good. I'm so glad. It's so funny how sometimes like you don't want to hit rock bottom, but sometimes it literally takes that, especially with something as complex and confusing as grief. Like you're going to have to hit more than likely like your lowest of lows until you really start healing. Like you might think for a while, oh, like I'm doing pretty well. And then shit literally hits the fan and you're like, oh, my God. And then there's like that one point and when you know, you know, at least that's how I was. And like, in the moment you might not, but like once you finally make a decision and go with it, you're like, okay, this is it. Like I'm finally, you know, healing.
1: Exactly. It was very scary. Like that whole, like couple of months before I moved just me contemplating all just trying to process all my emotions and everything that was going on. And then, um, then finally trying to come to that decision. It was a very scary decision. It's like, I have no idea what I'm doing. It's a leap of faith. I don't have a job or a house or anything lined up. I'm just going in this blind and hoping that it works.
0: Yeah. It's so funny. And Whenever people freak out about that, I'm like, homegirl, you can go get a job at a restaurant. Like, if <sighs> worse comes to worse." And I'm like, lose your pride. I have no pride. I have no shame. I don't care. And it gets you pretty far in life. At least I think so. Um, <laughs> so do you think your family was helpful with like you, you know, becoming at peace with this? Or, you know, was that more of a private process as well? You know, tell me a little bit more about that.
1: Um I think overall it was private. Um I had some family that didn't support me or you know and then I had family that did support me so it was kind of, I was kind of like torn um but as with everything else in my life I've had to do everything by myself so <laughs> uh,
0: I think it was
1: more a a private thing for me
0: yeah absolutely and sometimes that's what's best because it gets at least i found it gets really overwhelming when so many people try to tell you how they grieve and what works for them and you're like oh (laughs) my god like i appreciate you but like sometimes it's only like unless i'm literally on my deathbed like not to just like laugh about death haha like unless i'm literally like in really 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 bad shape like please don't give me advice unless I ask for it. Because yeah. it's just, and that goes with anything in life, but especially with grief. I'm like, and that's what like made me so mad about people. This is just a little tangent. I'll get back to like the topic in a minute. But people who would like literally tell me how to grieve, they're like, oh, like this is what I did. Like when I lost my grandpa. And I'm like, I appreciate the effort, but no.
1: Yeah, their intentions were good, but this is totally, Totally different.
0: (laughs) Exactly. And you have to almost internalize it. And like, that's the only way that I really feel like you're going to figure out what works best for you is just by you. And it's grief in general, it's just a trial and error process. And you need to like find that comfort within yourself. You need to give yourself grace. It's such an internal, like, individualized thing. And I think that's why people try to always do things by themselves which is good but sometimes like you know you do need help and that's yeah you know okay too so was there like a certain like lifestyle change that you did you know a certain habit that really helped you like heal or was it kind of gradual
1: um it was a lot of trial and error uh i feel like what helps me now obviously may not have helped me before but I find that for me to heal and move forward um like when I was younger I was doing a lot of like reckless things that I thought would have helped but they were all short term like (laughs) going out to the bar and drinking all the time and getting tattoos and you know being a young wild and crazy kid or whatever but um now that I'm a little bit older and I like to, I'm, I would say now I'm very, uh, introverted and I used to not be that way. And I'm very, I guess I want to say like a homebody. I don't really go out a lot. And if I, unless I really need to, I think what I like to do now is I just try to find different hobbies that'll keep me busy to try to, you know, take my mind off of things because my mind is never quiet especially at night it's just (laughs) a mile a minute thinking about all like the worst possible things and just replaying everything over and over again so like I do a lot of arts and crafts I I play music I try to teach myself new instruments I sing um like I said, just trying to keep busy with something, especially something hands-on, because then you're kind of like, I guess, multitasking and not focusing on all the negative. And I also find that now, I used to never do this. I used to, um, I guess, well, I guess what I'm trying to say is now I'm very in touch with like nature. And I know this sounds cliche, but uh, now that I Have an appreciation for nature. I just take every little thing in, and it just, I guess, helps me personally to be more in touch with like her spirit and everything.
0: Girl, you are my soul sister. I love this. It is so funny how, like, I really, of once again, this is also going to sound cliche, but really, like putting yourself in a peaceful setting you become at peace with the really shitty things in your life i.e losing your mom and death and just really morbid things in general and when you really get that like positive outlook that's when you become at peace with the loss because you know you're like you know what like even though death is permanent like eventually like you're going to be with this person again, regardless of your beliefs. Like, and it's just a part of life. It's a part of like the life cycle and that's okay. It's expected and it's normal and it's, well, I hate the word normal, but it's just all, you know, a part of the cycle. It's so funny though, that you mentioned like arts and crafts and music. And it's so, so important. And I literally cannot stress to people enough. Like they're like, oh, like, I don't know how to like get my emotions out. and the society and I think just grievers in general have this idea in their head that like literally the only way to express your emotions is to write about it or talk about it. And I'm like, Oh my God, that is so not true. This is why people don't heal because they might not be talkers. They might not be writers and they don't like realize, you know, when you were saying like, you know, go out in nature, play music, like arts and crafts. I'm like, Sometimes you literally, once you have somebody who can tell you to like, maybe you should try this way to express your emotions, you're like, oh my God, it's so healing. And it's like that one thing that can literally change your grief forever. And I am curious, this happened to me and I'm sure it can happen to a lot of people too, but Did you, like, have trouble almost, like, rediscovering your hobbies and, you know, like, your passions after your mom passed? Um, I think
1: maybe, actually, the more I think about it, yes, because growing up, I was always, I always focused on music. Like, that was my thing. I was always in choir. I was always in band or orchestra. And then after she passed, I really, like, I guess, not even intentionally thinking about it, but I just stopped doing anything that had to do with music. And just very recently, I've started picking it back up. And I think subconsciously, that's a sign of, like, things are getting better.
0: It's so funny that you say that. But yeah, and I think a lot of times too, like after the loss occurs, it's not that you don't know what your hobbies are, but it's like, I don't want to participate in this because the, you know, the thought that probably goes through most people's heads, is like, I don't want to be happy. I don't want to try to be happy and, you know, live this life without my mom. And then, I mean, it's all about, you know, your phases of grief and are you ready to try to like get back into things that you like. But once you do, it's so crazy how like, You don't need to talk. You don't need to, like, do anything particular. You can literally just be. And, like, that is so, and it's so funny. Like, this is going to sound stupid, but you were saying, you know, feeling your mom's spirit. It's like, you know, it could be the shittiest day that you've had in a really, really, really long time. And it could have been raining all day. And then you see the most beautiful sunset. And you're like, oh, my God. This is such a sense of peace. Do you feel that way? Maybe I'm just crazy. I definitely do. Yeah, I definitely do. Did you notice it happen like a little bit or a lot of bit, or did you just like, does that make sense? Maybe I'm just kind of rambling again. Oh no.
1: I, I want to say probably a little bit. I have to keep reminding myself that she's here in every sense. Um, like I remember I, I used to go talk to counselors and uh, see doctors and all that stuff. And um, I just wasn't comfortable with it. Like you said, some people aren't talkers, um, <clears throat> but I lost my train of thought. I, they Somebody told me, and this like really struck a chord with me. They said, to try and slow life down. So if you're cooking dinner, just try to take in all the little things like when you're cutting the vegetables or, um, you know, boiling the pasta, just little things like that. Or when you're in the shower, just take in all the water that's running down on you and just actually feel it and be there in the moment and be mindful instead of just, like, rushing all the time because that's where we start to get um, all of our crazy thoughts and negativity, you know?
0: Oh, my God. Yeah, it's so true. And it's funny that you mentioned that because people have this idea that go, 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 get back to your normal life. Like, be busy. First of all, busy is one of, like, the biggest grief myths. Um, but people just go too fast sometimes and, like... Literally, just be just like calm down, and you realize like the world is a really beautiful place and it's a really calming and peaceful thing, regardless of you know the shitty hand that you've been dealt or the crappy situation. And it's like, you know, if you can see positive in a crappy day, and you know, you can find the sunset, you know, literally, like you can find the rainbow after the, the thunderstorm without trying it's just there that's when you realize that you can find the peace without trying and it's just there exactly that is so funny it's i mean it's hard to explain it's grief but grief in general is hard to explain um would you say that you know there's a point in your life where you're more at peace with it less at peace with it just kind of out of curiosity, how, does, like, how was, was that?
1: Yeah, I would say that, uh, I mean, I still struggle with it. I'm not 100% at peace. And I, I say this now, but I really don't think that I ever will be 100% um, because she was my best friend and it was like a part of me died when she did. But I've learned now that I really just need to take it day by day, just one day at a time. And I need to just keep telling myself things will get better. She is still here with you. Um, so I just have to keep practicing that mindfulness. And if I have a bad day, it's not the end of the world. I could just try again tomorrow.
0: Yeah, you're so right. And it's funny to me that you will not like funny, but like interesting <laughs> that you say, you know, like I'm not ever be fully at peace with it because you know, whoever it is, like, it's, and it's not that you haven't accepted it, because it's like you have, but I think the whole concept of peace, it's like, you're never really going to be at peace with it, because you're almost never gonna want to believe it, it's, I don't know, there's like that part of you, it's like the voice in the back of your head, where it's like, you know, like... You're not really at peace or maybe it's content. It's like you're not really content that this is your life. Maybe that's a better way to put it. But God, yes, take everything day by day. That's I mean, I feel like people often ask, you know, like people often ask you, like, how do you make it through? And you just do. I mean, you just find a way to survive. You don't have much of
1: a choice in life. Yes. (laughs) That is exactly the word. We're just surviving. But that's why I'm I'm trying to now move from just surviving to living life and actually enjoying it so
0: exactly um, have patience with yourself it's a journey i mean it's a lifelong journey but once you get past the like survival stage and you're in the living stage like you probably won't really go back to the survival stage because you'll have a hand on like your living stage. I don't exactly. know. I feel like grief yeah. just brings up all these new like verbs and words and like comparisons, and you're like, "What in the world? How is this possible?"
1: Yeah, it actually, so I don't know if maybe this is me finding another way to accept death and deal with death, but I've actually just recently uh, started a started the funeral director program at my local school. So I am actually trying to be a funeral director.
0: <laughs> oh my God. That is so interesting. That, yeah. Okay. So do you think that like coming to peace with your mom's death has affected like your acceptance?
1: I'm sorry. It kind of cut out. What was
0: the Okay. Sorry. Do you think that, um, you know, coming to peace with your mom's death has affected your acceptance of it?
1: I think so. I I mean, for me to be at such a young age and seeing, uh, you know, not to sound morbid, but, you know, seeing a dead body, especially somebody that you were so close to, I think that has given me a major, uh, for lack of a better term, advantage on You know going into a field like that and trying to accept something of that magnitude and it's like if i can handle that then i'm i can handle anything you know
0: i yeah absolutely that's like when you realize it's like nothing like grief makes you resilient and like once you get through grief you're like all right like even though this sucks like even though this whatever i'm going through in life is really hard like I always have to catch myself like when I think that like I really can't do this it's like you can do this it's just 20,000 times harder because we don't have our mom and that's why you think you can't do it because it's like how can you do this without your mom and it's like you literally made it through losing your mom there's nothing that is worse than that so
1: exactly I completely
0: agree I'm curious, though, about, like, you wanting to be a funeral director. Does that not freak you out? Because I personally hate dead bodies. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> um,
1: so my personality and I guess, you know, everything that I've been through has something to do with it. But I have a very dark sense of humor. I'm into, like, all the, um, like, witchy kind of stuff. And I love Halloween and horror movies and that kind of aesthetic. Um, and I've, like I said earlier, I work in the medical field, so I've mm. seen quite a number of dead bodies. So, I, I mean, I'm not at the point where I've done, uh, any labs or anything, you know, where we're working on cadavers. So I'm sure when that happens, I'll be a little like weirded out, but I don't think it would like gross me out like it would some other people.
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean, you're probably used to death, which yeah, sucks to say, but I mean, that's life. But yeah. I'm curious. Do you think that like it might, or or let me rephrase that. Do you think about how being a funeral director might negatively affect your grief, or if it will?
1: I think it'll help me, um, not necessarily with the, the grief, but maybe my own personal acceptance of death, uh, because there are some days where I'm like scared of dying. And then there are other days where it's like, you know what, we all are going to go at some, at some point. So just live your life. So I'm like kind of in between, I'm torn between those two, uh, feelings, but I think that my experience of losing my mom will actually help me with other families that are going through the same process.
0: Yeah, it's when you put it that way it makes a lot more sense because it's like you're doing this for all the right reasons, you know. It's just like a part of you helping other people and a part of you sharing your story and this is what you know, manifested from it. Like I said, if you were working in a morgue and like maybe like transporting dead bodies, that would be different. But like right. a funeral director is like sad. But when you get to help somebody, I'm sure who, you know, is able to have a really good funeral for their loved one or, you know, that sort of thing, or even just shine a light on like the negativity of death in general like it's literally going to change their life and kudos to you because <laughs> it takes a very special kind of person it's just depressing to like be around sometimes it's just yeah. like the people but will you be around like is it a very people oriented role like i just maybe i just don't know anything about a funeral director
1: the well the funeral director from what i understand is basically the person in charge, they run the whole funeral home. Um, But you also, in my program, you have to know how to do the embalming and how to restore, you know, the makeup and the fate of people's faces and things like that. So ideally, and in the end, I would love to be a funeral director. Um, So that part is very people oriented because you're uh, working with people about you know, how do they, how they want their arrangements. But I think when you're starting, like when you're an apprentice, you're doing a lot of the embalming and things like that. in the, if there's a, a, crema, a crematorium in the funeral home. So a lot of that is behind the scenes. I don't think that they, I don't think that like an embalmer would be really too face to face with the pup, the general public.
0: That's very true, and it's interesting to me that it doesn't seem like embalming a dead body would bother you, but being in a morgue would bother you. Do you, or yeah, that being in a morgue would bother you? Do you think it's because there's multiple dead people in one room versus one dead person? Um, I don't think that
1: a morgue would actually bother me either, because so. I work for our local fire department and I'm actually in talks right now with somebody that works at the city morgue and he's going to try to, you know, allow me to come in for, you know, maybe a couple hours to kind of do like a tour of the morgue. So I think once I have that experience down, like once I've gone to an actual morgue and see how it is, that might give me like my first real like funeral (laughs) experience I
0: guess (laughs) yeah no that makes sense um so do you ever think about like I'm assuming you've probably always been kind of comfortable with death or darkness and like that sort of thing um did you ever think that like your mom's death would have affected you in this way? Or did you think that you would have been more like, I guess, okay with it, having that kind of personality and view centered around death. Does that make sense? Yeah. Honestly,
1: uh, I never thought that I would choose this path. Uh, I've after high school, I, well, during and after high school, I had all these different, like, ideas of what I wanted to do, and um, like, even at 27 years old, I, I still didn't know what I wanted to do. I had actually previously gone to school to be a sign language interpreter, because everyone was like, yeah, that's that's an easy A, you know, you already know sign language, So, <laughs> um, so I went to school briefly for that, but something, I mean, I had a lot of stuff, personally happened so I had to drop out of school but something I don't know what happened but I was I just had like a light turn on in my head it was an aha moment very recently and something drew me to this uh profession and career so I'm not sure where that came from I like I said it just happened one day and there I was like oh, actually, I think I really want to be a funeral director. So I don't know what drew me to it, but
0: here I am. (laughs) It's so funny. Sometimes you don't really need to know. It just happens. And you're like, all right, like whatever, I'm going to make the best of it. But have you always been this kind of comfortable with death? Or did it just happen, you think, like as you began to heal from the loss of your mom?
1: I think it, uh, I was not always comfortable with it. I think it was a gradual process.
0: That's. Good to know. I mean, it's nice that you are comfortable with death because I mean, hell, it's a part of life. It's just like yeah. the life cycle and society in general. How I'm curious, how do you like react around people who are so uncomfortable with death? Like, does that bother you? No,
1: um, so I'm a nine one one dispatcher and we have to remain calm no matter what. So I talk to people 12 hours a day, 7 days a week. Um I say 12 because our shifts are 12, but I'm not physically working 24 hours a day.
0: <laughs>
1: but you know they're calling because, you know, somebody may have just got hit by a car or you know is their house is on fire and they're freaking out. So I have to be that calm voice on the other side of the phone, you know. So I'm kind of used to uh, I, what's the word? Just
0: tranquility, maybe.
1: Yeah. Just trying not to make the situation worse for the other person. Yeah. And I've always just had a very caring nature. You know, like I said earlier, losing my mom and then immediately having to take care of my brother. So I think that caretaker role has always been a part of me.
0: You know, that is so interesting that you're, like, a 911 dispatcher now. I just want to, like, literally pick your brain. Um, Do you ever get, like, angry? Because sometimes I see, like, ambulances driving down the road. I'm like, fuck this. Like, I hate ambulances. Like, they don't save lives. And then sometimes I just see myself getting really bitter. It's not all the time, but, like... Do you notice yourself thinking those thoughts, just being around it? Or once again, maybe I'm crazy. (laughs) No. um,
1: I mean, it is a very, very high stress job. And I think that's why I'm trying to look into getting out of it. Um, Fair enough. (laughs) It's like like a love-hate relationship. Like, I love what I do. I love the fact that, you know, I can help people in their worst moments. But at the same time, the mental stress of it all just piles and piles on and then you know before this job i used to be able to separate work from home and now it's like i'm on the verge of having ptsd because of how crazy it gets so um it's just insane
0: yeah i could see you wanting to take maybe more of a holistic almost approach to death like yeah the calmer environment where you're still helping people yeah but Um, i feel like just working in a call center like that would just be trigger upon trigger upon trigger of just grief and like oh yeah not to mention death is an overwhelming thing and grief is an overwhelming thing and you have people on the other line freaking out i would be like oh my god like and especially if like i don't know maybe the person on the other line is like this person's already dead like they don't have a pulse i'd be like well shit I can't help you like yeah (laughs) my first super uh, insensitive but I mean I would be like I I don't know what to say you know yeah the first call
1: I ever took where they were like yeah he's not breathing I like completely froze luckily you know you have somebody with you that's training you so they'll never really like let you drown no pun intended (laughs) (laughs) but um my first call I was like oh my gosh, what do I do? (laughs) Even though like, chances are, I hate to say it, but they were probably already dead. It wasn't like, you know, I mean, there's, in our agency, we always at least want to try. So if you can try to do CPR, let's go ahead and do it. Unless you think they're beyond any help, let's get them on the ground and start those compressions, you
0: know? Exactly. Oh my God, that's so funny. I bet it's going to be nice to be in just a more, calmer environment to something that's so overwhelming and so like on un- like death is uncommon. i mean that's probably a terrible analogy but i bet it would be actually pretty fascinating to like do funeral work and be in like a oh my god that's so funny yeah. um so is there if there was somebody who came to you who You know, she had lost her mom. And she's like, I'm really, really struggling trying to become at peace with this loss. What advice would you give her? Uh, I think my biggest
1: thing, um, I'm trying, because I know that everyone deals with grief differently. So I'm trying not to um, say too much of what I experience or what I feel is the best way. But you
0: never know. It might help you. Exactly.
1: Exactly. So I would definitely tell them, you know, be patient with yourself. Um, Like what I do is I take every day one step at a time, Um, and and I, I guess experiment in a healthy way. You know, different ways that might work for you and what might not. Like I know everyone says, oh, exercise is the best form of you know you know dealing with stress or whatever. But personally. I don't like to work out. And anytime I've tried, (laughs) it just made me more angry. So It didn't work for me, but that's not to say it didn't work for it's that it wouldn't work for somebody else.
0: Oh, my God. That's so funny. I mean, yeah, like being healthy is important, but let's be honest. Oh, yeah. Exercising is not the only way that you can. That's not the only thing that is beneficial for your grief. So if you hate going to the gym, there's something called exercising, i.e. walking in a garden. Exactly. There's many ways. (laughs) It's technically exercising, just not the exercise that people might think of. Right. It's those sorts of things that we're like people need to like reach out to other people to get those different perspectives. And they're like, "Oh God, that's so funny." Was there anything else that you want to leave with the listeners? Probably not, since you said that. But (laughs) um, not
1: that I can think of. But thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad. Thank you for being here. Hey friend, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Before you go, I have four favors to ask you. First, I wanted to let you know that I host a group for women where we share our day-to-day stories, challenges, and victories. If you want to come along for the ride, head to Facebook and search for the Life After Losing Mom community. Second, if you don't mind leaving me a review and telling me how I've helped you in your grief journey, I would greatly appreciate it. Third, head to catbonner.com forward slash podcast to access previous episodes and subscribe for episodes in the future. Finally, head to catbonner.com to schedule a complimentary connection call with me. I'd love to know more about your grief journey. Always remember that despite losing our mothers, we have flourishing futures. This has been an OutsourceYourPodcast.com production.